Hey there, Oregon Surfriders! It's Tuesday, February 4th, 2020, and welcome to another edition of Plyben's Policy Podcast. Charlie Plyben, Oregon Policy Manager for Surfrider Foundation, coming at you here on my way back from Salem. In our second day of the short legislative session, as you may remember, a short legislative session for Oregon uh, will wrap up here at the beginning of March. So it'll be very quick, very fast and very furious. Uh, and lots of folks working this legislative session to pass a climate bill. Uh, I'll be working heavily to be passing both that climate bill and uh, our uh, what I'm calling the ocean climate bill which I spoke about during our previous podcast, as well at all of our chapter planning retreats this year, one of our top issues this year. I'm going to be talking a little bit about both of those bills, uh, as well as give you a sort of a legislative rundown on the major environmental bills this session that other groups are, are really targeting and working on, some, some threats, some bills of concern. Uh, and also talk a little bit about the plastic bag ban. In fact, I think I'm going to kick off the show here talking a little bit about uh, the, the plastic bag ban, our new toolkit that's out there, and, and some questions that have been uh, coming up uh, over and over again. <clears throat> and uh, if you're interested in, in learning a little bit more about our toolkit and some of these questions, I do encourage you guys to check out our post online, uh, Oregon dot surfrider.org uh, if you click on one of the main first posts that we have it's tips and tools for Oregon's new bag ban we have a great toolkit that we've published online there thanks to some of our volunteers uh, in our Coos Bay chapter that uh, really pitched in and in our Portland chapter as well to, to make that toolkit happen we've got a new FAQ out for both consumers also for businesses and for government uh, we've developed some like break room signs and some in-store signs, as well as uh, a template for business outreach and, and a host of other types of uh, resources to help with the implementation. But I'm going to start uh, just kind of answering the, the elephant in the room, I feel like, is uh, what's up with the thicker plastic bags? We thought we banned plastic bags. Everybody thinks we banned plastic bags entirely. And lo and behold, you get to the store and you see these thicker plastic bags that they're offering at checkout. Um, so a few things about that. We saw that coming. Uh, that was a big loophole that was in the California bill. And what happened in California when the bill was passed originally was that those plastic bags, those thicker plastic bags, just replaced what they called the single-use plastic bags. Uh, and that was a clever way for the industry to look at the definition of single-use plastic bag that was defined in law in California and say, well, we're just going to make it a little bit thicker so it doesn't meet that definition of single-use plastic bag and we'll call it a reusable plastic bag and uh, lo and behold uh, those those bags ended up in the checkout line uh, free of charge and were just proliferating just as bad as the the single-use plastic bag so we we saw that happen in california many years ago um, probably five or six years ago when that actually first came to, to, to bearing. And, and one of the biggest things that we did in Oregon to try and prevent that was to place a fee on a quote unquote reusable bags. Because we knew no matter what we did to define the type of bag that we were banning at checkout, 
the industry was going to shift and make another bag and call it a reusable bag and offer that as well at checkout. So the key for us was to put that fee on reusable bags. And that was a hard thing for people to understand when we were legislating this and we were actually putting pen to paper on policy as we had to define what a single-use plastic bag was. We also had to define what a reusable plastic bag was. And uh, we set the milliliters at four milliliters. In fact, that's actually pretty thick compared to California. Theirs is defined as 2.25. But we said anything under four mils is a single-use checkout bag and those are eliminated. So in came these thicker bags to replace some of the single-use bags, but they have to charge a fee for them. And that's different than you've ever seen before for any type of plastic bag. Um, and the key there is that we hope, and the idea is that by charging for those bags, be it only five cents, uh, shoppers will take note and hopefully change their behavior to bring their own. So we know from a lot of research that five to 10 cents is a pretty strong incentive. Uh, similarly with paper bags, where we have a five cent fee on paper bags because we didn't want to shift people from plastic to paper. Um, but I'd also remind folks that you know many of the reusable bags that we actually enjoy using, Chico bags, uh, or maybe some of those polypropylene woven bags, some of the bags that I've actually seen many of our organizations and, and chapters order for themselves, uh, those reusable bags are made often of plastic. And so it was really important for us sort of to define that. What does that mean um, in, in, in the law in California? It's very closely specified to how many times you can reuse that bag. And all of that sort of relates to the, to the life cycle of that use and uh, trying to defer some of the carbon imprints and the, 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 the carbon impacts that may occur from um, the, the thicker bags or using uh, paper instead of uh, plastic. So at the end of the day, what we have is some thicker bags, but they're not being given away for free. Uh, they do cost five cents. And uh, we, we hope in the long run that this is really going to shift behavior. Um, and, a, and a few things about those thicker bags in, that, that's you know, maybe not ideal. Um, but in addition to not being free, they're less likely to blow around in the environment, like the single-use bags that we, we were used to seeing. And they're more likely to be reused. I, I can say for myself, uh, there are times when uh, a, a plastic bag of sorts can be handy. Um, and I will reuse a bag like that if I accidentally end up with it. Um, and, 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 the, and last, I would mention is that the, those single-use plastic bags that uh, were really thin, um, those require virgin plastic to make. They actually require to be made, they have to be made out of um, virgin plastic, which we all know has its impacts on the environment, um, the use of fossil fuels and other things to create those. These thicker bags actually uh, can be made from recycled plastic and are more likely to be made from recycled plastic. So they have a few things going for them, even though they're not ideal. So, you know, I, I just would like to explain all of this to folks and I encourage you to check out our, our post on this and our toolkit as well online, oregon.surfrider.org to learn a little bit more. But um, be, be a good outreach person for Surfrider. Uh, do your part to sort of explain and educate to individuals why this is the case. Uh, uh, 
do your part to you know help help other individuals understand uh, the law and why it is what it is and, and that we can't just ban all plastic bags period uh, there are some uses for plastic bags there is a need for some plastic bags and um, we would like for everybody to be using to be using reusable bags uh, but at the end of the day uh, it's likely that we're still going to see some of these around Hopefully they're not having the same sort of impact on the environment um, that we've seen with the single-use bags. Um, a couple other things with the, the new bag ban. Uh, again, um, don't blame the cashier. Uh, you may encounter a few businesses and, and, and other places that um, they're not quite up to speed yet with implementing it, uh, or maybe they don't really understand the law. And, and, and I encourage you to, to, to help them get on board rather than police them on board. And so that, that means you know, uh, so helping them out, giving them some of the tools that we've developed here um, on our website and are sharing online. Um, you know, having conversations with them um, rather than accusations. Um, those are great ways to sort of uh, encourage individuals to, to be um, supportive of this. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if you're, you're not able to be the messenger there, you, you might uh, consider or you might need to um, talk to somebody within your local municipality about code enforcement and compliance. And just like a lot of other code issues, um, it's not straightforward for uh, enforcement. And so it, it really relies on compliance or complaints for those things to, uh, to, to, to sort of take hold. Uh, remember, we're only, you know, just a month into this law and it's a new one and it's a big one, guys. This is a, a, a bill and a law that impacted every single Oregonian. It impacted every single business in the state of Oregon. And that's a really big deal. Uh, that's, that's, that, that you, when you impact that many individuals, uh, there's gonna be some, some, some coffee room conversations. There's gonna be some dinner table conversations. You probably heard today at the top of the hour, every hour on OPB, they were asking for your feedback on the plastic bag ban. So uh, I hope that you take them up on that uh, and encourage your support uh, and other support for the ban. Um, I've heard from some of our policy experts, this is one thing that we're going to have to really push the support for uh, up for up to about two years if we want to battle any uh, potential referendums or you know referring this to the ballot uh, like what happened in California in fact when they passed it in California it was uh, recalled and went to the ballot and then upheld um, by the voters but that cost a lot of money and a lot of time and we don't want to see that happen here so enough about the plastic bag ban um, I'm going to move on now and talk about what will be our biggest legislative initiative this uh, this session uh, something I've dubbed the Ocean Climate Bill. Now, the Ocean Climate Bill, uh, I talked about on our last podcast. It's uh, Senate Bill 1554, and it was introduced by Senator Arnie Roblin, who's a Democrat out of Coos Bay in District 5. Uh, but it's also co-sponsored by uh, Republican David Brock Smith, District 1, down on the South Coast. And I think that's really um, in this climate, no pun intended, uh, I think it's quite as significant that both a Republican and Democratic um, legislator are the chief sponsors of this bill. 
the bill, uh, I'll, I'll just quickly mention again um, from, from our last podcast, I kind of explained that it does a few things. Primarily, it allocates resources to the science, the adaptation, and the mitigation of ocean acidification and hypoxia. So a reminder that ocean acidification is that lowering of the pH in our ocean, uh, a direct result of excess carbon in our atmosphere. Um, Hypoxia, more of a natural event, um, but also somewhat exacerbated by um, nutrient runoff and, and pollution in our environment as well as CO2. Those things can exacerbate it. Hypoxia is the lack of oxygen in the water. Um, and so we get into really low oxygen conditions and that can be very harmful for many of the critters that, that are important to us. Big news around ocean acidification just came out last week. There was some science uh, published that recognized that our Dungeness crab fishery is going to be impacted and is being impacted. In fact, um, some of the, uh, the chemical receptors and um, the developmental stages of young crab larvae are being impacted by ocean acidification. And that's something that we really need to get a handle on. So um, we've already seen this in our oyster industry and in our shellfish industry. So this is uh, an area where we really need to get ahead of it. Uh, the state of Oregon created an Ocean and Acidification and Hypoxia Coordinating Council several years ago, and they created an action plan. And that action plan directed this uh, a number of actions from science, um, which is investigating and better understanding how these um, ocean issues are going to impact some of the most important fisheries in our in our state. Um, as well as adaptation. So the, the adaptation is, is how do we cope with and adjust to. Um, for example, in the oyster farms, they've had to actually chemically adjust the water so that they can meet the pH needs of oyster larvae at a certain time during their rearing. Um, so that, that's an example of, of adaptation. Mitigation for these issues is really about investing in habitat protection, um, pr- potentially protected areas or extremely important areas that can buffer ocean acidification and hypoxia. So I explained a little bit of that on our last podcast, but um, I just wanted to to briefly review what this is all about. This is our big bill this session. One of the other things that this bill is going to do is it's going to support the evaluation of Oregon's marine reserves and protected areas. So that was something that has been a longstanding campaign of don't headphones fell out there sorry about that i was talking about uh, marine reserve evaluation that was another thing that this bill will do is support uh, the the evaluation of marine reserves and protected areas a long-standing campaign um, of our chapters over the past gosh uh, 10 years now uh, to to get those protected areas in place uh, and a big piece of our continued support for those is the evaluation of, of those areas. And so this bill will also allocate a little bit of funds to support the um, evaluation uh, by a, a university. So probably Oregon State University or another university here in Oregon will be conducting that review sometime in 2023. Uh, but it's important for us now to kind of line that money up. So uh, that is uh, the Ocean Climate Bill. I really wrote what I think is a pretty nice piece uh, about this bill a couple weeks ago uh, called the Ocean Climate Bill You Won't Hear About This Session. 
and uh, I encourage you to go check that that post out. It's also on our website, oregon.surfrider.org. Uh, it's it's one of the top posts there, and it's actually been spread around a lot on social media uh, this this uh, over the past couple of weeks, and so maybe you've already caught that. So uh, now I think what I'd like to do is maybe jump into a quick legislative rundown, uh, go over some of the major bills this session uh, that are happening, uh, some of the, the that other environmental organizations are supporting and that we're also supporting um, tangentially or through our participation in the what's known as the Oregon Conservation Network. And the Oregon Conservation Network is uh, a, a consortium of uh, a lot of different environment groups, Thousand Friends of Oregon, Association of Oregon Recyclers, Audubon Society, um, Oceana, Oregon Coast Alliance, River Keepers, Water Watch, uh, Climate Solutions, and we're part of this big collective of environmental organizations that pool our efforts to lobby in Salem. So I'm going to do a quick rundown of our sort of primary issues that the environmental community will be working on. The biggest one is Senate Bill 1530. 1530 is the, uh, the, the cap and invest or the cap and trade bill. Uh, right now that bill started off not very favorable for the environmental community. It actually been watered down a lot. If you'll remember, this is the bill that split Democrats and Republicans and ended up pushing Republicans essentially out of the state of Oregon and brought the legislative session to a grinding halt last year. We hope that doesn't happen again this year, and that's probably why the uh, Democrats put this forward pretty watered down. Uh, it had its first hearing today. There was a few amendments that have been introduced, some good, some not so good. We'll see where this thing uh, fares and how it moves on through the session. Oregon Environmental Council and Climate Solutions are the lead groups on that bill. Again, that's Senate Bill 1530. Uh, and at the end of the podcast, I will tell you how you can go online and track any or all of these bills of interest. Um, probably the biggest uh, threat uh, for environmental community right now in the building, uh, there's both bills that we support and then bills that we don't support, uh, is House Bill 4049, and that's that's been dubbed the garbage fire bill. And it, some folks may be familiar with Covanta, Marion. Covanta is a trash burning facility in Marion County, and they essentially incinerate um, all of their waste. And this bill is identical to a bill last session that uh, would allow for Covanta, Marion County, uh, to receive renewable energy credits that they could sell uh, for every megawatt of electricity that they generate from burning essentially trash. So um, trash burning is not what we would consider in the environmental community uh, renewable energy by any, uh, by any means. And uh, so this is, this is of high concern of us. Oregon Physicians of Social Responsibility is the lead group kind of working on that. Um, and again, that's House Bill 4049. Um, a few other bills this session of support that we're really interested in. Um, I will kind of skip over some of the ones that are maybe of less interest potentially to, to 
uh, surf rider, but m more interest to, um, um, <clears throat> to, to you guys and overlap with our mission just a little bit. So House Bill 4066, that's the Utility EV Infrastructure Investment. And this bill gives um, the, the utility companies direction to allow regulated electrics uh, companies like PGE and Pacific Power to invest in more electrical infrastructure to support wide-scale deployment of electrical vehicles. So this is all about grid infrastructure to support efficient and, and um, less expensive uh, options than exist today. Um, and uh, these are really important for reducing our, our, our long-term um, uh, greenhouse gas emissions and providing um, facilities for people to, to, to charge their cars and other vehicles and EV vehicles. Um, another big one for us is House Bill 4069, and that uh, requires water use reporting. And that's kind of a big deal where we don't actually have water use reporting happening in all areas, in all places of the state in the same way. And that doesn't exactly allow for the most responsible use of water. In fact, in some, in some areas that may allow for uh, overuse or even encourage overuse of water uh, with respect to water rights. And so this is something that, that requires some, some, um, some, puts in place some measures uh, that require cities and irrigation districts um, to, to, to measure and report on their, their water usage. Um, another one, uh, House Bill 4070, this is the on-site septic loan program. This bill is of interest to us in rural areas, especially areas where we know septic systems are polluting the environment. But these, some of these uh, rural homes and these people that ended up in a home that had a 50-year-old septic tank, they might not be able to afford to replace their septic system. And so we don't want cash and money to be a barrier uh, for environmental improvements, uh, particularly in, in, in low income and in, in areas, um, in rural areas. And so this is a, a program that exists right now in Oregon, and this sort of continues that, that loan program. And what it does is um, it provides really, really low interest loans for people to replace uh, on-site septic systems. And, and that's, that's really important for many of you that are involved in our water quality. You know, um, oftentimes when we have water quality issues on the beach or on the coast, it's directly related to septic and sewer problems, um, if not stormwater. Uh, so that's another big one that, that we're uh, interested in supporting. The League of Women Voters has actually taken the lead on that bill. Um, and then last, you know, I would mention the uh, addressing harmful algal blooms. Uh, that's another bill, uh, House Bill 4071, and that's going to direct DEQ to purchase certain lab equipment um, and provide um, health authority staffing to address harmful algal blooms. And as you all may remember from last year, there was a bit of a scare with some source water in different areas, uh, particularly around Salem and uh, Hillsborough that had to, directly had to do with um, harmful algal blooms. And so we, we, our state agencies weren't exactly equipped to cope with that. And so this is uh, a bill that um, will provide some funding to DEQ and the Oregon, Oregon Health Authority to help address those harmful algal blooms. Um, you know, that's probably the biggest ones that I, I'll touch on right now. There's some other stuff uh, with respect to well water testing. Um, and there's also a fossil fuel infrastructure bill. 
and um, some some other bills we're watching and kind of have some concern on. But um, those are the main ones that I kind of feel like overlap with uh, our interest as Surfrider members and Surfrider volunteers out there in the field doing the good work uh, to, to keep our mission strong in the state of Oregon. So how can you keep track of these bills? How can you uh, follow them. You go to the Oregon Legislative Information System, and if you just type in olis.gov, that will pop up Oregon's Legislative Information System. Up in the top right-hand corner, there is a um, there's a button that says Bills. You click on Bills, and you will be able to find uh, any and all the bills that I talked about by either typing in their number. Uh, or you can use a keyword and so there's a little selection there that says number or text and you just click number and you can put in you know senate bill 1554 and you can actually sign up for email alerts so it'll tell you what's happening when's um, when things are happening with those bills and and how to get um, um, more involved so first opportunity for involvement uh, is this friday on senate bill 1554 and there will be a hearing on that bill that I will be in Salem to testify in support of. And, and just that's our ocean climate bill. So um, a little long in the tooth today. It's uh, coming in uh, around 25 minutes. And so I'm going to go ahead and cut myself off there. I um, hope you guys are having a great week and a great February. Let's hope February is a little sunnier than January. Uh, here's to getting some time outside and in the water. Peace.